Gems of Youth Work, Sharing Precious Practices. Welcome to Gems of Youth Work, Sharing Precious Practices. I'm your host, Markus Fretscher from Austria. And today we have the honor of having with us Carmen Marcu from Romania. She's a facilitator in policymaking, and she will share with us her experiences of a project that combined youth work, research, policymaking, and advocacy, targeting at young homeless people in Romania, and the lessons learned and how youth work can be embedded in advocacy and policymaking. Hey, Carmen, thank you for joining our podcast. Good morning. Hi, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> so um, our standard introductory question is, how would you like listeners to imagine you? From where are you connecting? And what image should listeners have in their head as they listen to your beautiful voice? I'm <laughs> um, connecting from Bucharest. So, uh, yeah, the weather is really fine today. We still don't have uh, any snow <laughs> waiting for it. And specifically from my kitchen. Ah, okay. <laughs> and how do you like, want listeners to imagine you? To what image should they have in, your, in their head? Well, like a very active and busy bee. <laughs> <laughs> what else to say? <laughs> a busy bee in a kitchen in Bucharest. <laughs> yeah, you imagine that. Excellent. And very shortly, no Wikipedia article, just shortly, what is your relation to youth work? You and youth work. What about that? Me and youth work. Well, uh, we had a re long relationship, actually. It started from... Long-term relationship. Yeah, long-term relationship. Uh, started from 2014 when I became a volunteer and I started to work with young people, uh, with uh, kids uh, uh, that uh, were homeless, actually. And um, I started to be their psychologist. Some, But I actually did youth work so um i found that later somehow you know i started uh, as a volunteer i started mm -hmm. to to learn how to uh, deal with uh, their problems how to guide them uh, how to uh, develop them life skills but uh i started actually to be a youth worker and slowly, slowly to um, have my own association and working with non-formal education a lot, working with young people and adults and learning, learning day by day to work with a lot of people, teachers and so on. So uh, I started to uh, somehow work in an educational field, not only in the youth field. And yeah, a lot uh, related with Erasmus Plus and programs uh, that um, finance such educational uh, projects. So this is somehow uh, my uh, relationship with the youth work. Uh, <laughs> but also I had, um, I had a privilege <laughs> or the chance to be in the administrative part. Yeah, to work in the Ministry of Youth uh, and Sports in Romania and uh, to be uh, an advisor for uh, the Secretary of State uh, for Youth. 
so I had a chance to be on the other side somehow and see uh, how it works when you have to collaborate with all the NGOs and you really have to be open and, uh, you know, to, to give the floor to everybody and so on and so forth. So I hope that uh, I can bring a bit from my experience today. Exactly. And, and don't be too humble because I know you as youth worker, as trainer, as working for the government, but also working with the private sector. You know? So for me, you're really somebody at the cross point of the sectors. This is true. Yeah, yeah. I'm a trainer because, uh, yeah, I delivered so many trainings on informal education, on how to become a trainer for other young people or people that would like to work with the uh, young or adults uh, people. And uh, yes, I had several um, collaborations with uh, the private sector in terms of uh, developing uh, corporate volunteering. So um, anytime I had a, I have the chance, I'm a consultant for them in in how to grow this uh, uh, opportunity for their employees. Right. And last question before we go to the case, since you had a long-term relation with youth work and, and so many hats on, what still, key, what still keeps your fire burning inside? What still motivates you today? What do you love about your job? Um, I'm in love because it's so active. I mean, and it keeps you alive. It's dynamic. Mm. And uh, even now with this pandemic situation, I still feel like I'm very connected into the digital world and not only when I had the chance to be also face-to-face. -face. So um, it's always something fresh working in, in, in the youth field. So I think I would never give up. This is what I'm saying now. <laughs> Thank you. know the case so thanks for this introduction and specifically why we invited you today now is with the hat on this time you have to have this facilitator in policy making and you will tell us about your experiences in in a project or several projects initiatives around homeless people where you combined research advocacy policy making and and youth work Tell us, how did this whole thing start and give us a little summary, walk us through. Yeah, I have, uh, after I had the chance to work in the Ministry of Youth and Sports, uh, I was invited to facilitate a group of people, experts in the field of uh, homeless uh, uh, young people, specifically people from uh, institutions or authorities that uh, have responsibilities in, uh, in developing services for this uh, category of young people, and also NGOs, people from NGOs that uh, are working to the grassroots and uh, um, they are trying, trying to deliver also uh, services for, for these young people that are in, in need. And let's just give maybe a bit of a context about uh, why advocacy in uh, a youth uh, project. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. Um, yeah, uh, advocacy, uh, just it's the process where you you try to uh, invest and to improve some of the uh, policies that are uh, not reliable anymore. I don't know, maybe they're just old or they uh, just uh, were did uh, at one point without researching too much and having actually 
the situation, uh, the actual situation. So you can emerge, even if you are from an NGO, in such a process, being uh, maybe a small part, but strong voice uh, in the same time, being involved and searching uh, uh, the pieces to, 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 to gather in order to, in order to uh, transform it, maybe at one point, maybe, you won't say it would be, but maybe at one point into a policy that will be uh, taken into account, of course, uh, in the parliament or in the government uh, uh, with the support of, uh, of uh, deputies or senators or however are you in, in, uh, in your country. Yeah, what, I, what I'm saying, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, just uh, I wanted to say um, how you are structured in your country in terms of government and so on. Mm-hmm. So this is just, just a short short description on how to do advocacy. You can also uh, try to develop some guidelines or some, uh, yeah, like a white paper, what we did, or you can try to monitor what is done. So it's still advocacy level. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we uh, wanted to do in this project uh, was actually just a desk research at first. Yeah. We wanted to see, to map how many uh, homeless young people are in uh, uh, Romania. We did not have the chance actually to map this thing because uh, there were just a few data about it. So it was about the larger group, about homeless people in general, adults also. But when we gather in Bucharest and we tried to uh, actually collaborate and get in contact with people that had also different type of data, uh, we saw that we could do a bit more. And although it was not planned in, uh, in the project, uh, because we found out very emotional cases with uh, young people that had to leave their home or to leave their uh, institutions where they, um, they had a place to live, we thought that we, we could do more. We could draw the attention of the public in general to this uh, problem. And we thought of uh, doing a a white paper, like actually recommendations and guidelines about different aspects of uh, uh, life of homeless young people in order to improve any of these aspects. So just saying saying it uh, in a very short and uh, (laughs) very understandable way, what is a white paper. Thank you. And then what what happened after this? So mapping, white paper? After this, uh, we gathered these experts uh, from authorities, from uh, NGOs. We had several meetings. Yeah, we had several meetings. And I'm telling you, it was not easy actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had people from ministries that uh, are very strict with their procedures. They don't want to change anything. Sometimes you feel that they just want to cover some things, you know, like you don't really have to say that uh, it's not working well. And uh, we had to loosen up them a bit and mm-hmm. to try them, you know, like, come on, we are here. We're in this group, a small group. Help us to help you, actually. It's not we, we want to collaborate. We don't want to uh, uh, have here like a conflict on the television, uh, you know, um, um, show. 
So when they saw that, we, that our intentions were really, really uh, into a positive way, they started to collaborate and to support us. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a big difference in having just NGOs talking about. I mean, I'm in love with, with their work. But uh, the big change comes when you have also the authorities on, uh, on the, at the round table. Also, what we had to somehow stop were the little conflicts between NGOs and authorities. They, they actually had to, from several years, and they, when they met again, you know, they said, ah, oh, you don't do this for us. You don't leave us to do our work, or, or you have uh, too many procedures, too much bureaucracy, and these young people, they only live once, and so on. So uh, what I had to do was to really uh, moderate and uh, trying to give them uh, the chance to talk and to somehow liberate this uh, pressure. And after that, to tell them that we still have the same aim and just kill your darling somehow (laughs) or your uh, emotional uh, uh, involvement and try to uh, get on the aim again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We have the same aim. Let's work on it. So we gather as many data from from them uh, in terms of procedures, in terms of issues, problems that they really see. And uh, maybe some of the problems weren't uh, even uh, dated at one point or just very new for for, uh, some of them. And uh, we uh, agreed what to put into the white paper. Like not to, uh, you know, um, give uh, to somebody the chance to say that uh, what we did is not true. And we uh, managed to have like seven directions, like seven mm-hmm. uh, big guidelines. Uh, just to give an example, like what to do in the prevention services, how to deliver uh, health serv- uh, more health services for uh, homeless young people, how to increase the collaboration between authorities uh, and NGOs, how to diminish the number of uh, homeless young people without papers, with uh, identity papers. So this, uh, this kind of uh, guidelines, and for each direction, we managed to have some recommendations and some solutions that were, of course, just uh, spotted there in order to, to be uh, supported later into bigger discussion uh, at the national level and also in the parliament to, um, to some debates that were on this subject. And what would you say, you mentioned the white paper and the seven directions. Uh, what now, <laughs> looking back, what do you see as, as outcomes if there's anything else apart from the white paper in some directions. And apart from the outcomes, if it can be said, I have no idea how much you can measure this or not, what do you see as impact or success of the project? So the white paper is an outcome, but did you feel any further impact results, so to say effects in the end? What would you say was reached in the end by this project? Well, on a short-term impact, I would say that uh, uh, some parts of the white paper uh, were taken into account uh, when financing some small projects involving homeless young people. Yeah, So they uh, uh, were indicated as uh, 
the recommendation and what to take care when you write such a project, yeah, take care of these recommendations and take into account. And on a long term, because the project uh, lasted till 2017, on a long term, I would say that uh, this was the start for other discussions in order to uh, have uh, less bureaucracy in mm. having mm -hmm. identity paper for young people, like uh, in these situations, and small steps that were done because they had already um, paper to relate on and to, you know, to go to this, okay, where do we find this in a structured manner? Ah, there's the white paper. Of course we can use it. So uh, it's also, uh, always a starting point to have structured policy, whatever you name it, white paper mm -hmm. uh, uh, or just, uh, um, yeah, there are other, other car, yeah, um, decalogue, I don't know. <laughs> uh, we will see. But you can even try to put like an article in a law that is regarding the, the life of homeless young people, or you can even do like just uh, a local a local change to talk to the city council and try to put it there, try to um, make them uh, take into account and to show them that uh, your work is valuable. And what I learned, what I learned is that most of the time they don't have these white paper policies in a structured manner and they really appreciate to give them the information already done okay so just use it yeah, yeah. just use it they they will appreciate that's great as a, as a learning point exactly because i wanted to ask you about that <laughs> when to go for advocacy and when not if if you look back um what would you have done differently with all the learning experiences you had? What would you have done differently if you were at the start of the project again? If anything, maybe you did everything perfect. Yeah, no, oh, come on. <laughs> it's always, yeah, it's always hard to say. Uh, and What do you wish you had done differently? Yeah. Uh, to give more time, to <laughs> give more time and to involve actually more people because there is always uh, someone left uh, outside or there's a stakeholder that can uh, can have um, uh, an involvement, a uh, valuable involvement. And also to make sure that we have more people from the national authorities that are uh, more involved into, into the problem. Because sometimes when it happens, uh, you invite a ministry or invite a direction from a ministry and they uh, send you a person that is just, you know, available at that time. But maybe that person is not responsible about the matter that you are actually uh, working on. So mm -hmm. make sure that uh, you have the people that can make even small changes. But these are the uh, the basis for uh, for a good start in advocacy. Right. And um, last question on the case as such, is there any specific moment or any overall impact whatsoever that you're especially proud of? Is there something that really stayed in your memory that, yeah, that made you really proud to say this is why it was worth it? 
Well, I think, uh, uh, yeah, the moments were when we actually uh, started to discuss and not only to, you know, uh, throw ourselves uh, uh, words about what we are not doing it. The moment was when uh, we actually started to work together and to to show that uh, there can be a collaboration when uh, uh, people uh, give away somehow of their positions and they just start, you know, to analyze mm-hmm. the facts and uh, the things that they do. And also that uh, another point was uh, um, about the white paper that was taken into account also, uh, as far as I know, uh, for the adoption uh, processes. Like, you know, to take into account what can happen, you know, to homeless young people. So just like uh, like uh, um, something to... Um, relate on or, or to report on when uh, uh, talking about adoption in Romania. Transfer service. You already mentioned quite some learning points. Thank you for this. Um, a bit more on this transfer points if other organizations other youth workers would get inspired from from your podcast or think about doing advocacy when would you say advocacy is the right tool and when not yeah when can or should youth workers people active in youth work use advocacy and when not what is the power of the tool and what this is not what expectations maybe not to have to frame expectations also mm-hmm. Well, using advocacy, it can be at any point, but you have to make sure that you uh, take it from the right level and also having the right expectations. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, if you're in a small community and you want to change something there, just focus on there, not, you know, changing the world and trying to work with people that are involved in in that particular problem. But if you are interested in, uh, as we did, to change a bit the perspective or how to, you know, uh, the approach or, um, yeah, or many other aspects if possible, and it was a problem that uh, was a national problem uh, involved, uh, we saw that the level of working was there. So we tried to uh, do our best in order to, to find some resorts, you know, to, 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 to put together uh, and uh, uh, to uh, work together. So you can do advocacy, but first, maybe just you want to do your homeworks and see if this is the first step for the community where you are working on, or you can gather the community of practitioners or experts that can make a change. So maybe there are a bit uh, other steps behind mm-hmm. until you get into the advocacy uh, level, even if it's a small change or a bigger change. And of course, uh, when we are talking of small changes, just, you know, to uh, move a bit the system to the left or to the right, you know, to shake in a bit. Or a bigger change, yeah, is uh, taking a lot of years. I mean, uh, you know, to change a law, it took me uh, seven years at one point. We started to debate about the volunteering law and we managed after uh, almost seven years to change it. So just take your time and try to uh, be motivated uh, because there's a long way <laughs> in uh, changing it. But also there is a li- uh, there's a big satisfaction behind, you know, to, to be involved. 
And you mentioned there's small changes and big changes. Yes, you even mentioned that it can take a long time frame. You mentioned seven years because it's about adopting new laws, about changing systems and structures as such. What would you say is the minimum viable product? Like what is the smallest thing you could reach if we don't target that we improve society on national level? But what is like the smallest part you could tackle with means of advocacy, something on municipal level or what What would you yeah. say is like the smallest time scale, the smallest package you could go for? I think the first one is somehow the pre-advocacy, <laughs> like to promote the issue, to promote more the issue to the wide public or to the public that you are interested in. So this could be the smallest level of advocacy. And after that, of course, do not think that people will just think of your problem. If you don't repeat, if you're not there, you know, if you don't debate, if you don't uh, try to, um, you know, repost, you know, it's like on Instagram, you have to have your followers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, somehow, uh, yeah, people, you know, uh, they are uh, bombed with issues if uh, we are talking about authorities or um, even other people, I mean, the white public. So they it won't stay into their mind, even if it's a super, super emotional problem. After a few days, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And you see that the information uh, going into the digital side, you know, uh, and online, the information is uh, so big so that people will really, really need to, to be guided. And guiding here, it means actually to be uh, annoying with saying your, your problem, you know, almost, actually almost annoying in order to uh, make a difference. So don't lose your aim and your motivation when doing that. All right, all right. Patience and stamina. Um, we talked about advocacy. There's another word often used. You didn't use it, but a word we often hear is lobbying. What's the difference between advocacy and lobbying? Well, some say that lobbying is is a part of advocacy or something like that. When uh, you already um, have steps done uh, into the advocacy level, you start to lobby for a problem, for a change. So you uh, start to do, uh, you start to talk with a lot of people, you start to follow any change that might happen or anything that uh, can support your, your change. So uh, this is somehow related with, uh, with the advocacy level, uh, what, what you can do also in, in monitoring what is done, in even evaluating, yeah the results. So uh, it's a big part of uh, the advocacy part. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned there's different ways of playing advocacy or different elements, which can be awareness raising, it can be a white paper, it can be the monitoring of policy implementation, etc. Of course, it depends on, on the specific case, but can you give any recommendations on what stakeholders to include or what partners would you need if you as a youth work NGO want to engage in a lobby, in an advocacy activity? What are what are recommended stakeholders to bring on board and how to bring them on board? You mentioned before how important it is to align them behind the common aim to overcome the, the differences in expectations and cultures. What, what would you give us as advice to 
with who and how to cooperate? Well, first of all, make a list of stakeholders and then uh, start writing uh, it uh, completely, if possible. You don't try not to forget anybody. Mm-hmm. Even, uh, yeah, uh, taking it uh, like a transversal dimension, uh, like inclusion, yeah, inclusion of everybody that could have something pro or against what you are trying to change. Take them all into uh, the journey and uh, make sure that you you also put yourself in the shoes of the other. What can happen if you think from another angle? So, uh, yes, at the table, at the same table must be the authorities and responsible people about this, uh, this particular problem, particular issue, to make sure that they uh, are connected, these people from authorities, with their uh, bosses, yeah, and uh, with those who can really, you know, uh, extend your work and, and uh, uh, make it wider and go further with, uh, with the propositions, with the recommendations that you have. Also, uh, yeah, have anybody else like NGOs, like uh, people from companies that might be affected in a good or a bad way uh, for uh, from your recommendations or your change you can have a very positive attitude and a, a very positive need you know but still to have a very bad result at the end <laughs> so make sure yeah make sure that sometimes yeah you just forget or you don't see a part of the problem that might affect in such a way might be affected in such a way of a um, change in a law or, I don't know, in a local institution. So just make sure that you have uh, all the people, the, the, the discussion and debating and give time to understand each uh, part uh, that is involved and to gather the data and don't rush yourself, you know, to do, okay, let's just do your document there because it will be taken into account at one point and you want to be... Uh, the one that is really, uh, yeah, important and and, uh, has a point. And last question on the learning points and transfer service. What would you say, I mean, you mentioned many of them already, what would you say are classic mistakes that happen when youth work engages in advocacy? Hmm. What could we avoid because other people already... (laughs) <laughs> run into this trap. <laughs> well, yeah, and talking about youth work and uh, the issues related uh, to the youth work, um, I think, yes, we're rushing. We're rushing it. We think that can be like an, any other project, any other mm-hmm. activity um, that, um, I don't know, it's like a festival or, you know, like a training or like a camp. It takes more time to gather more people involved. It takes more time to have decisions in some of the institutions in order to put them into a structured uh, plan. It takes uh, uh, yeah, more time. So uh, just be aware that you can start and you, you have a voice, you have the power, you have the tools. You just need to, um, to follow some steps that uh, are pretty much known, but you just have to get along with them. 
final message. Thank you so much, Carmen. Lots of inspiring points. Now, with all your hats on and all your experiences on on local level, national level, European level, and from working with the different sectors, the youth work, the private sector, the governmental sector, um, what is your forecast for youth work and what is your wish for the future of youth work? As you're obviously still very passionate about all this. Yeah. Uh, well, the forecast, I think, yeah, more people will be um, dragged into uh, into the youth work uh, just because uh, young people were affected pretty much in having uh, their um, uh, school um, courses online and this kind of stuff. And they really need to, you know, to, to relate to some other activities, even if they're online still or, I don't know, uh, face-to-face, uh, they need to see some support and uh, especially um, on mental health, I believe. And um, yeah, the forecast is that there will be a great need of youth workers. <laughs> and my wish is that the youth workers that uh, are now youth workers and they will be in the future also other youth workers, they will be prepared to overcome or to really support this type of new, let's say, issues uh, that might appear and they are already here uh, because of the uh, pandemic situation and uh, that uh, their work will be recognized. Because, for instance, in some of the countries, it's still a struggle, you know, to to say that you are a youth worker. Oh, you are an animator or what? (laughs) What do you do, actually? You just play with the kids. No, uh, and there are also, uh, yeah, there is a structure um, work. And uh, what I wish for the uh, youth work is to be recognized and supported also from the governmental uh, uh, level. So recognition of youth work and appropriate support, actually very important topic for advocacy then. No? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Carmen, thank you so much despite of you being a busy bee to take your time <laughs> to join our podcast series from your kitchen and hope to see you soon in real life, in presence, face to face. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It was lovely to, to have our coffee together and uh, talk about advocacy. <laughs> <laughs> Ciao, Carmen. Bye. So that was today's episode with lovely Carmen Marco from Romania. Hopefully you got some inspiration on how youth work can be enhanced or contribute to advocacy, policymaking and lobbying. We look forward to welcome you as listeners to our upcoming episodes. Gems of Youth Work is funded by the Erasmus Plus program of the European Commission with the support of the Estonian National Agency.